0: It's no small thing that in the wilderness, God uses what is hardest to get water. God uses what is hardest to get water. We have to get out of our mind that the Israelites are just in a desert, right? They're they're in a wilderness setting. And so there are bushes, there are plants, there are all these other things, these natural sources of water, these things that consume water. But God... Instead, goes tells Moses to go to a rock, what its hardest, and strike this, and from this hard rock, water will flow. And so in the New Testament, when God in the person of Jesus Christ will go to a woman hard of heart. One could say a heart of rock or a heart of stone, and from there draw living water, strike the rock so that the waters of eternal life will spring forth. Setting always matters as well whenever something happens. The setting matters. Where this takes place in the gospel is at Jacob's well. And Jacob's well is the place where Jacob would have married, and then, after wrestling with God becoming Israel, allows the people of Israel to come forward, the 12 tribes. And so whenever why the disciples are amazed that Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman is that whenever he approaches this well and he is alone with this woman at this well, it's reminiscent of a marriage setting, some marriage that God will approve of through which a covenant will come about. And this woman comes out and she's obviously in shame as we learn that she has not she has no husband. She, she has had five husbands and the, woman, and the man that she is with now is not her husband, she comes out in the middle of the day. She comes out in the middle of the day, and the irony, although no one is there in the middle of the day, she is seen most brightly by the sun in the middle of the day. And it's to this woman, under this context, that God is going to propose himself in a marital relationship, that God is going to pr- propose himself as the bridegroom in the person of jesus christ to this woman who is both jewish and gentile she is a samaritan half jew half gentile and he invites her into the life of grace by offering her three graces and she really only bites on the third one the first grace give me a drink of water she and he invites this woman into serving him into the service of God in the same way in which God invited the Israelites out into the wilderness from Egypt so that they may serve him or so that they may worship him. And to this, the woman kind of scoffs and says, sir, you don't even have your own bucket of water. The idea of worship, the idea of serving God is absurd at this point. And so then Jesus goes deeper And he says, whoever drinks the water I will give will have eternal life, invites her into salvation. And to this, she becomes curious and says, sir, give me this water. And we know that the Israelites too, whenever they're being saved, whenever they go to the land of Cana, they're curious, but not all make it, including Moses, not all make it, but at least curiosity is something that is starting to, to happen within the soul. But then third grace And the grace that she shares with her other Samaritans when she goes back into the town is the grace of knowledge that Jesus knows who this woman is. I know that you have no husband. I know that you have had five husbands and that the man that you're with now is not your husband. And it's to this comment that the heart of stone, that whenever Christ has struck her heart, has has struck the rock, that eternal life begins to spring forth. That true faith begins to spring forth. We know this is the case because in the second reading we heard about St. Paul saying that for a good person one could have courage to die, but God died for us while we were still his enemies. God goes to the well to propose to offer himself as bridegroom to the soul, looks at the woman squarely, and sees her sinfulness, sees her shame, and still offers her the gift of eternal life. And for this, it goes off for the woman. For this, she knows, yes, this is the one who is the savior of the world, because this is the one who can save me from my shame. This is the one who can save me from my shame. For this reason, we know that he is the savior of the world. He has told me everything about myself. God died for us. God offered us himself as bridegroom, not while we were justified, but while we were his enemies. While we were his enemies. Lent is an amazing time to expose hiddenness and shame. Because through our practice of penance, if it is good penance, then we expose our weaknesses and our hidden loves. Although, pretty much, if you ask anybody, everybody else knows our weaknesses. Like the Samaritan woman, like we go out in the middle of the day thinking, okay, I'm not going to see anybody. But being under the sun, pretty much everyone knows our weaknesses. It's that we don't know our own weaknesses. And God certainly, the Samaritan woman certainly knows that God knows her weaknesses. I mean, she is a believer, if not one of the people of the House of Israel. She is somewhat of a believer. She knows that God knows her weaknesses. She knows that God knows her sins. But it's in the act of revealing that to Jesus and of Jesus revealing that to her that she is brought to believe in Jesus Christ, that she is brought to living faith, that she doesn't in shame go to fill her bucket of water again and again. And so the way that this is obviously obtained, we know that God knows our weaknesses. We know that other people probably know our weaknesses, but the counter of confessing our sins happens obviously in the sacrament of confession. It's the only place where it happens in the sacrament of confession, where God proposes himself as bridegroom by offering us Holy Communion after confession and looks squarely at us and gives us the grace of absolution gives us the grace of absolution. And the real effect of a worthy confession, a confession of which we've revealed our shame, is not that we go about and we go right back to the well. We go back to hidden lives where we hide things from others and we kind of live this little double life, even if it's of the smallest consequence, if it's still a life of shame, something that we're hiding, What we do is like the Samaritan woman is that rather than going back to the well she of her own will goes back into the town Where everybody knows her business Everybody knows that she's had five husbands and now she's on she's on her sixth who's not her husband. Everybody knows that but She Decides to go out and reveal herself. She is the one who's able to go out and stand in the light because The reason why this is so important in the life of grace is that charity, which is the divine life, cannot exist if we have shame. Charity, the divine life, cannot exist if we have shame. Because charity requires vulnerability. And if there is shame in the soul, then there's some block, some block that allows, uh, that does not allow the divine life, the living waters to flow. There's some dam that has been put up. And so we ask that this Lent, that we can constantly be in touch with our weakness and that the bridegroom can look squarely upon those weaknesses and those causes of shame and continue to offer us eternal life so that we, like the Samaritan woman, can be justified by grace, we who are loved while we are still God's enemies.